0: How are you doing, everyone? Thank you for tuning in to this episode of Ready to Record from Blue Girl Studios, proudly sponsored by VFX Unleashed, powered by Amarillo College and SimCorp Productions. My name is Daniel the D3 Cohen. I'm your host, and I'm speaking to you from Blue Girl Productions' worldwide headquarters and studios here in my garage. I'm a 20-year-old aspiring musician, engineer, and producer, and like many of you guys, I make music out of my own home studio. You know, some of today's biggest hitmakers work from home studios, so we can help one of you accomplish your big dreams. Now, before we get into the episode, I want to talk about our sponsor, VFX Unleashed, powered by Amarillo College and Semcor Productions. VFX Unleashed is a complete accredited online VFX school where you can learn how to have a career in the visual effects industry in classes taught by industry professionals. There are programs in all major aspects of VFX production and software, including Photoshop, After Effects, Maya, Nuke, Cinema 4D online fully remote classes start every eight weeks and a full vfx studio within amarillo college's innovation outpost will open next year which will have a state-of-the-art sound stage and motion capture studio you can check out all that vfx unleashed has to offer and enroll today at vfxunleashed.com thank you to vfx unleashed and semcor for being our very first sponsor we're proud to have you now let's get into the show Today, we're picking up where we left off. Here is part two with Dante Rinaldi.
1: Let me throw this out at you. Let me say that. How about this? I'd love to hear your thoughts. Phil Spector, right? The wall of sound. Everybody knows that that was just an incredible thing. And then, and then think about how he achieved that. Like he would have them play for six to eight hours without even hitting the record button, right? Because he wanted them exhausted. And then he he mics up everything so there's there's bleed all over the place. So the drums is going into the vocals and and, and you know the piano is going into the trumpets. It's just all over the place, going all into the tracks, creating this amazing feel. Can you can you get the Phil Spector wall of sound from Pro Tools? I mean, it, it was almost like a mic placement trick and a physical human exhaustion trick, you know, but- with the uh, wrecking crew. I mean, it's like, how do you duplicate that digitally or in a, in a, in a basement?
2: But you, but that's not a room related thing.
1: No, no, you're right. But there's other intangibles there, like, like the microphone bleed, right. Or, you know, or you could talk about the room related thing if you wanted, you know, like, well, if if
2: you're talking about room, then, you know, look. I I will I will direct anybody who wants to have an argument about room to a video that reverb.com did uh emulating the sound of Hitsville. Mhm. And they got damn close.
3: Yeah. Yeah.
2: In a studio that is not even close to Hitsville.
1: So infinitely cheaper and you get tons of time in there. And for I think what you're saying is most people most the average listener, the target audience of that musical recording won't hear the difference anyway. Right. right.
2: And, and, and added on to that, the small band that's playing to 200 people tomorrow night, mm-hmm. they don't care. Mm-hmm. They want the music out so they can sell the CD or the download code or yeah. the, the USB-C stick at yeah. their merch booth.
1: Right. Well, because they're new, right? Right now, their their biggest thing is exposure. It's a commodity. When they're big, when they're huge, and they never want to tour anymore, and maybe they're the Beatles of 1968 or whatever, they're going to start playing to get different sounds, right? And maybe it's not so much a digital thing. Maybe they're now traveling the world for a strange acoustic effect that's happening behind this waterfall or who knows what, right? So they're kind of in a different world you know, then they would be when they're young, they're cutting their teeth. They just need someone to listen to their, to their music. Right.
2: But at the same time, there's less Claypool who hasn't recorded a record at any other studio, but his own since 1995. Mm-hmm. There's, uh, there's Pete Townsend who's been, who doesn't really do the who records at his own studio, but has been doing basics at his own studio since the 70s. Yeah. And and there's uh you know, there's So when
1: you hear musicians that say we got to find this this new tone, this new room tone, this new sound, we got to find a place, we're going to travel to whatever, we're going to travel to Never know, the Bahamas, no. is it just kind of pompous kind of like PR to say, yeah, we had to go to Shanghai to get this sound? Is it is it just kind of you know, lip service to to give more you know uh, mysterious you know whatever to the recording process of you, what they're trying to say
2: you do the travel if you're uh if you have the money if you have the label backing if yeah. you have the if, if if you are intrigued by the stuff i mean it's you know like i i had a conversation with a few engineers about walls mm-hmm. not nothing more no, not walls. not yeah. not gear not yeah. diffusion techniques not 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 size of room you mean not like construction materials walls yeah what are the walls made of what's <laughs> yeah. what's the ceiling yeah who built the floor what is the floor
3: yeah
2: is it decoupled from the other floor yes what's it decoupled from the floor with you know
1: look there, does it change can... the sound though
2: does it huh. change the sound everything changes the sound sure but sure but the thing about it is we're the only ones that are going to think about it.
1: <laughs> right. We
2: are the only right. ones that are going to think about it. And here's the until, difference until you reach Paul McCartney level. Yeah. Until yeah. you are Paul McCartney or yeah. Pete Townsend or. Uh, Freddie Mercury. Sure. You know, you, you're not going to think about or listen to that stuff. You know. The. The and, and even Freddie and the rest of Queen, I don't necessarily think underst- really understood or listened to room tone. They just knew, you know, the, the first record was done at Trident Studios. Right, right. right. And they hated it because sure. they wanted big drum sounds, but Trident had their set sound. This mm-hmm. is what this kit sounds like. This yeah. is what guitars are supposed to sound like. This is how we mic this. This is how we mic your vocal. This is how we mic a piano. This is what the this is where the guitar amps get placed. Um And
1: they're and they're in the middle of the night because nobody else wanted the room at that time. So they're also on a timeline. They they got to cut this stuff quick. There's little experimentation back in 73 for them.
2: Well, there <laughs> there there was there was more than one would think especially when you when you listen to interviews of 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 guys like Brian May and you and then you watch the biopic. But the the thing that the, I, I don't necessarily think they were thinking about walls. No, I, of course not. They weren't thinking about ceilings.
1: No. They, they probably th- only had a four track,
2: right? They they weren't think Ah, eh, it was the 70s. It was, no tried and move, tried and move to eight track. Tried, okay. and move to, tried and move to eight track by by the late 60s. I'm okay. almost po- I, I'm near positive. Um but they're not thinking about. Room construction. the only, mm-hmm. the the thing that they did think about room construction wise was size of room, and mm-hmm. that's really the only thing that people think about. We want to get big drums. Throw the drums in a big room. Right. You know. you You want big sound. Uh, put overhead. Put put your kit in a in a room with a vaulted ceiling, right. and put your overheads. Uh, ten feet high.
1: But there's a that's a lost art now, right? I mean, picking out a space creative microphone placement, finding sweet spots. Is that a loss art when it comes now to the advent of say pro tools or whatever it is. Somebody's recording with. No,
3: no. That's good to hear. Mm-mm.
2: No. uh, The band dream theater. Yeah. The, the very technical, um, prog rock, prog rock, prog, rock, yeah. prog metal band yep. dream theater. Uh, the most recent album that I can think of, they brought in studio gear and recorded it in an uninsulated barn. Mm-hmm. Did the whole record in a barn. Okay. They.
1: Now, that's interesting because uninsulated barn, you're not probably going to get a lot of reverb. A lot of that sound is going right through the walls, right out to the outside,
2: right? Well, not necessarily because it's, it's not sealed so it it, it well it isn't sealed hermetically speaking it is still a box with no diffusion no uh, no deadening whatsoever so there's going to be a lot of natural reverb in there especially when you think of the fact that the thing has a flat loft mm-hmm. and then the loft doesn't go all the way through the ceiling so you have the vaulted ceiling so you're gonna get Room tone from there, and you're going to have reflections bouncing. But are everywhere. they
1: thinking? Are they thinking? Nobody ever recorded in a barn before, so we're going to get an unusual sound, right?
2: No, because Bear Tracks was in a barn. Okay, there, there was so Bear were, Tracks.
1: Bear they, Tracks.
3: Bear it wasn't tracks. an
1: issue of innovation. It was an issue. Was it an issue of money or just uh, experimentation?
2: It was experimentation and intrigue. Yeah, from what I can tell, they they did it in the barn because you know they went. Oh, what what's going to sound different? You know, I, I the studio six oh six, the Foo Fighters studio, that's a converted warehouse. You know, yeah, um,
3: well, on
1: all Allier, right for Led Zeppelin, just the cottage, right? So finding unusual places. Again, these are these are kind of old stuff, though, right? I mean, nowadays, is 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 a band going to come to you and say? we need a cottage in Scotland so we can get just this right sound. Or like you mentioned that they, are you finding that today's music, a lot of today's musicians don't even bother with that. They don't even, no, wouldn't even consider hearing it. Or or is that, is that a a requirement or is that like a a a request?
2: Look, a lot of today's musicians don't even, I mean, if, if you think about it, one of the, one of the bands I work with, which is this dinky band out of Richmond, California mm-hmm. uh, across the bay. Um, they have a producer they never have any FaceTime with. They're a five-piece pop rock band. Mm-hmm. They have a producer in LA they have no FaceTime with. He programs their drums. He gets the direct tracks. He programs the keyboards. He He, you know, he reamps the bass and the guitar. He gets the vocal that the vocalist recorded in his bedroom uh you know in in the in the same room that he and his little brother who's the lead guitar player grew up in you know yeah. like they 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 do that they send it down to producer producer guy puts it together and mixes it and then sends yeah. it back up to Richmond yeah. it's but where was it recorded well guitar bass guitar and uh, vocals were recorded in a bedroom with two feet of floor space because the boys got a giant studio desk for 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 creating their craft. It's awesome. The yeah. their bedroom is their bedroom <laughs> is hilarious, and I absolutely <laughs> well, if love we're it. For
1: Billy Eilish, but, right? I you mean, know, come
2: on. You know, but look, Billy Eilish. <laughs> Phineas had a piano in his childhood bedroom that took up the majority of the space. Was like yeah. the piano, his desk with his computer on it, and a bed Yeah <laughs> And his dresser yeah. a- And that was it You know yeah. um, And you know It's the same deal with And that was a successful
1: story I mean come on right That was like No one's looking at that album Like oh this would have been great If you just had a professional Space Right Yeah nobody no cares
2: Nobody cares about the space But at the same time What was recorded A yeah. vocal That was the only thing That was recorded May- mm. Maybe an acoustic guitar But yeah. what do you need to record An acoustic guitar About right six inches of space between <laughs> right. the body of the guitar and the microphone. If, if you're if, not
1: looking to contribute room tone to it, right. Right. Like you triple right. mic up a an amp that's in a huge space and you're gonna get all that nice overlap and stuff, but you're talking just to basically DI it right in.
2: Essentially. Or yeah. or close mic it so much that room does not matter right. anymore. Right. I mean, you know, I I, I am a proponent of room sound I don't do a lot of close miking So you're
1: you're, you're a proponent of making the room part of the instrument
2: Yes and no I I am I am more so interested in capturing the instrument as a whole I mean the 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 thing that I keep harping on is drums because it's the most mm-hmm. um if if you're going to record a full band that is the thing that everybody fears because mm-hmm. You know, mic up a cabinet. we'll just put a microphone. In Is front it of a because of
1: the separation?
2: It's because like, of the you? separation. It's because of the bleed. It's because of the fact that it's multiple instruments consisting of one, in, consisting yeah. making up the single.
1: The single. So do you instrument? put a mic over every piece of that kit, so you have that control, even though you're going to get a ton of bleed in all of it.
3: Or a lot of, are you? A
2: lot of people would. Yeah. He, here, here's the thing. Right. A lot of people will put 20 mics on a kit. Right. They're going to put a microphone for the top and bottom head. Yeah. They're going to put a microphone on every cymbal. They're going to put three mics on the bass drum.
3: Yeah.
2: One inside the bass drum because you got to figure the resonant head has a port in it so they Mm -hmm. can put a microphone in the bass drum. One outside the resonant head so they can capture the sound of the resonant head. Mm -hmm. And one sub mic. Mm -hmm. some people like sylvia massey has this has this thing um
1: uh, and this eats up your mixer too though i mean a lot of new bands can't do that they don't have the, the the amount of mics they don't have the the tracks you know to to do that right everything's in the box okay unlimited track count yeah so you don't you don't you don't even mix on the fly before it gets into the into the box
2: you do levels that's mm-hmm. it i that's mean it. that's 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 90% of the job of an audio engineer these days is levels, levels. and making sure right. that that nothing clips nothing you clips, know right. real if if you're doing big engineering projects you're going to do your premix stuff and you're going to eq and compress yeah. and gate on the way in
1: that but destroys a, the romantic vision that i think so many people have of whoever's you know making the, the latest rock and roll record is that someone is on the fly, you know, on the faders and they're just making magic. Right. And they're just, you know, the, the George Martin, you know, just flying with the magical fingers. You know, if you're saying that it's just all going into the box and we'll take care of it in post <laughs> sounds like visual effects,
2: you know, because it is.
1: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> look,
2: look, our industry. I mean, let me ask you, when did you, when did you start? What, what was, where was your starting point in the VFX industry?
1: Oh, uh, 15 years ago, maybe. So, uh, as far as movies, like when, when you see a movie and you're like, oh, that's what I want to do. You know, I think a lot of people probably are like, oh, Jurassic Park looks amazing. That's what I want to do someday. You know, and you take the roundabout tour to get there. I've been through a bunch of different industries, video games and, and, you know, graphic design and all kinds of stuff. But. You land where you love because you've seen something that just triggers it, right? Mm-hmm. And that's, you know, and, and I think when a lot of people are thinking of, I want to be a musician, maybe they've seen footage of, you know, people huddled around a mixer, thinking, no, that's not it, that's it right there, and then they just move some faders around. But you're saying that's not the industry anymore. The industry is capture, and. And then what? Like a, a you know a thousand dollar pair of cans and 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 doing the magic all with waveforms and multi trackers and you know the tools inside the computer, right?
2: I mean, in in a way, that's what it's always been. You're you you yeah. never you never mixed well. you. I mean, you did. The the and and some people still do this. Like uh, there's a guy named Chris Mara. He he runs a company called Mara Machines, which yeah. it does restorations of exclusively. MCI tape machines. And he he's very popular in that world. But he also has a giant studio in Nashville called Welcome to 1979. And one of the things that they do, and they sell it as a service, Will, is okay, we're going to cut your record. We'll uh have uh three engineers on team, one assistant to set up the mics and be in the room with you, one in the control room mixing as you're going, and one down in the mastering room, and we're not even gonna cut to tape. We're not going to cut to digital. We're going to cut to the lacquer, and that's going to be your record. Wow! So that that is no possible. What, no what you're describing? <laughs> right. It's very much like making a record in 1938 because right. you're just cutting direct to sure to to lacquer. There, there's there's no room for error. There's you know right, and there there's no tester track. Right. You know if 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 you're smart, you ask him. Hey, can you, can you rig this to Pro Tools so we can do a remix of this in five years? You know, but yeah. you know, the majority of people would just go in, you record, that's your record, you release yep. it tomorrow. Um, but you know, that, that never, that never happened then. Uh, George Martin, uh, he did that. But the other thing you have to remember is those skills were, were acquired out of necessity. They were mm-hmm. acquired because they were required. Right yeah. when when you're bouncing, uh, when when you're bouncing four microphones of Ringo Starr's drum kit down to one track, that's going to be bounced with the bass track. That's yeah. going to be put on the left in the case of Taxman and a mm-hmm. million other Beatles songs, where they decided to use stereo like crazy. Which personally it trips me the hell out, and I end up listening to most of the Beatles records in mono. But um. <laughs> Uh revolver, favorite record. Always yeah. listen to it in mono. Um but you know, it's it's one of those things where it was necessary. Right. You know, they just didn't was, have the
1: room, right?
2: They 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 didn't have the room. And 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 then you imagine uh you you imagine like go back to 1958 when when you didn't even have four-track, you had one track tape, right? Yeah. You were on an ampex machine that was a quarter-inch, one-track tape machine, nothing else. And you had to mix on the fly. You sure. had to get tester mixes. You had to, you know, you had to play it five times live before you could actually record it so that they could figure out if they were, go- if you were going to have good level and then yeah. you record it and then you mix on the fly and then while you're you recording they stay there. And, <laughs> and you hope that they don't, you know, you, yeah. you hope that they don't do it a sixth time, the different way than the last other five times that they would, that they had done it without you recording it. You know? Um, because you can't degrade the tape too much or else you're going to you know lose the point of the session right yep. uh it, it it's all one done you you got to go um and there's there's plenty of examples of reusing tape you know tape is reused all the time now i mean slash did a record uh 5 6 years ago something like that and they did it all on tape and they had to reuse tapes you know that, yeah. that's a completely normal thing to do now but yeah. of, of course you know, it's, it's very easy to, it, it, you, we feel comfortable doing that because we can digitize everything. I yeah. mean, you know, I, I a few years ago, um, uh, I almost ended up buying a 16 track machine.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: And, uh, I thought about it. It was like 16 track machine comes with uh i think f- it was five completely unused tapes oh. um and <clears throat> the absolutely fascinating thing about it was i thought to myself well jesus i can record onto tape mix into pro tools then mm. digitize uh all my two tracks uh, I'll, I'll digitize the 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 individual tracks so i don't have to worry about keeping storing the tape and Mm -hmm. and you know preservation of it because everything will be on digital and then i can erase the tape and start out you know don't have to worry about it and that's that's very easy nowadays um
1: but then you start thinking why am i on tape right
2: well no it's a Mm -hmm. it's a it's a sound thing there there is you know so it gives it something oh of course yeah i mean you, you gotta you the the question that you have to ask yourself when you're when you're Talking about uh, tape and compressors, and that is why do you hear of people not really using a ton of compression mm-hmm. because that was built into the tape. It, mm-hmm. You know, you you only had because you had twenty four streams of audio side by side, and you yeah. had to avoid crosstalk and the sheer nature. Of magnetized rust on uh, uh, going over a, a magnet to write
1: and to read to the uh, Ferris rust. Um, so is it like a like a plug-in, like a like a, almost like a pedal in your chain that it's just hard to duplicate digitally.
2: There are a lot of good ways to duplicate it digitally, but it's a it's a thing. It, it's one of those things that the the other thing is its feel. Yeah. And it's it's sound and, and it's a playing style. Yeah. Because if you, even if I used my digital as a two track, mm-hmm. right? And mixed it into digital and sent the digital file out for master. Mm-hmm. And it would, from, from from that it would never be analog again right would yeah. not go out to be duplicated onto cassettes it would not be on an eight track it would not be anything related uh to you know it It would not be on vinyl right right and and even if it were it wouldn't matter because it was already mixed to digital and then mastered to you've
1: digital. already lost so you've, ar-
2: you've already you you've already kind of, I, I mean you bring a lot of it back by putting it on vinyl mm-hmm. but you do lose a little bit of sure. integrity because you've sampled it and now you're bringing it back into digital. Right. It's the back dot. into analog. Yeah. Um but at the same time you by bringing it back out into analog world you do round out waveform. But you know there there's there there's a million ways to to skin mm-hmm. that cat. But the the thing about it is
3: tape now for a lot of us tape is a goal. Mm-hmm. At,
2: at least as a musician, for me tape is a goal. Um and and I I I I used the idea of making an EP or recording a single onto tape. Uh, I, I used that for a while as like a bogeyman uh, for my band. Mhm. And the reason I used it as a bogeyman for my band is you can't quantize shit. Mhm. You can't go back and change it. You know. Uh yeah. if if I wanted to dump it into pro tools, sure. We could we could do that, but you know, you, you can't do that. And 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 something that was really really funny is Hendrix's guy who still mm-hmm. runs Electric Lady. Yeah. Um uh whose name yeah. is I'm forgetting.
3: That's why, still open am- in
2: New York. Yeah, Electric Lady's still open. Oh, um, nice!
3: You made yeah. me believe
1: that a lot of the studios were all mothballed, and that would be a sad thing.
2: No, it's it's the uh, I mean, there's there's so many st- there 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 are a million studios still open, but for every studio open, there Ten are yeah. you know for every one open, there's probably about a hundred closed.
1: Wow. Okay
2: you know, because they're, 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 you know, you used to have Studio Row in LA. Yeah. Some of the best studios in the world were, I mean, yes, they were the best studios in the world, but they were all in Los Angeles. But some of those studios are now Walgreens and yeah. Safeway and, you know, whatever insert common commodity here. Right. Um,
1: And that's the evolution of the craft. Right.
2: Right. There there was a very very famous studio here in San Francisco actually at uh at uh, the address 827 Folsom Street. Mm-hmm. 827 Folsom Street doesn't exist anymore. What stands <laughs> where that was is a completely different number and it's an apartment complex. Yeah. You know, um the, there's there's so there there are so many of them gone, but there 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 are plenty left. Um, Sunset Sounds there, Capitals there, uh, the old RCA building still has given, a studio in
1: it. It's given the power back to the musicians, right? Because before it was like st- studio time was held over the head of musicians due to from the labels, right? But now, do we not get a ton more creative output because of the bottleneck is not there of Saying I gotta get in that space.
2: Yes and no. I think I think there's a lot more good music that's allowed to be released, Mm -hmm. but at the same time, there's a lot more garbage.
1: Yeah, that's also allowed to be released. Yeah.
2: So so there's, you know, with the advent of independent releasing and the advent of everyone and every room every room is a studio. Your bathroom's yes. now a studio, Dante. Congratulations! Right, uh, and no go, one's there
1: to curate it, and it's out there competing with everything else on the internet. Right,
2: right. That's that's the one. That was the one good thing about labels, and you know, and having the bottleneck of a recording studio is like
3: you quality control. Could, right?
2: You you could quality control things, right? Yeah.
1: Um, and that's not there anymore.
2: It, it for a it, lot of stuff it is. out there. Yeah, not not for a lot of things. I mean, you know, the bad stuff gets weeded out. I'm sure, but at the same time, uh, we're in the air. We're in what I call the era of the lil, Mm -hmm. you know, little yachty, Lil Zan, little whatever. Yeah, um, uh, little pump. You know, all these really, what I would call generic, kind of commercial don't care about the music
3: mm-hmm.
2: people right yeah um and if they care about the music well hey i'm sorry it doesn't sound like it <laughs> um
1: but they're following a formula because i saw other people make money
2: right they're lil. they mm-hmm. have stupid tattoos and talk about fucking bitches and doing cocaine off of her ass or whatever and you're just like do we need the 30th person to tell us about this stuff yeah you know and they, they and then there's you know the 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 advent of all these people you know it, it, let me ask you in in the world of vfx and film and you know film these days well not exactly the same it's still pretty similar you can kind of release whatever you want you could put an independent movie on youtube or vimeo or whatever and you know, it can be there and you don't, you know, yeah, you, you can release whatever garbage you want. Uh, it's
1: the, Yeah, it's the double edged sword of, you know, the tools are more affordable. They're more uh, you know, accessible and that immediately everyone thinks, great, more awesome content. Yeah and no, you know, and it's like, hey, it's great. Everyone can make a movie and it's like, oh shit, everybody can make a movie. So you're absolutely right and it just creates so much noise and it's harder for the for the talent the people who deserve to be listened to because th- they're bringing something different or they have you know they've thought about what they're doing and they're putting effort and the blood sweat and tears into it they get lost in the noise right so you know i don't want to see commercials where someone has an iphone you know 12 or 13 or 14 and says let's all make movies it's like why don't you, you know, watch a thousand movies and then go make a movie, you know, or something. So, you know, that, that is always troubling because it gets the people who deserve to be listened to or, you know, they get lost in the shuffle. It makes things harder for everybody. So, but what are you going to do? The horse is already out of the barn, right? The ending right. of, the, of the internet is like the power to the people. For good or bad and we're seeing that in every industry right even in the press and, and music and movies and TV and video game and
3: everything it's tricky it's tricky
2: well and even now you know everybody's learning Python everybody's learning JavaScript everybody's learning C++ anyone can code a website everybody can program a video game anybody mm-hmm. can any anybody can learn how to do things and you know what that is fantastic that is that is that is the whole point of of VFX unleashed anybody mm-hmm. can do it um yeah. you know the thing about it is like anybody can do it but the 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 beautiful thing uh, here here's my problem and and let me know if you agree or disagree with me mm-hmm. we we have tools we've built mm-hmm. tools for me i've built this podcast right i i talk to professionals in the in, in primarily in the audio industry you know producers engineers equipment designers people that understand schematics people that understand arrangement and and produce based on arrangement you know and and they share their knowledge you know w- w- the uh, this this show sponsor VFX unleashed right mm-hmm. uh which you are a part of yeah we we I- in that brand anybody can come in and acquire the tools and because they can acquire the tools they also acquire some amount of experience yeah. because they are learning they're being taught right and they're and sure in 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 a lot of ways you're kind of learning at your own pace because it's an online academy mm-hmm. and there's a lot of stuff doing it but at the same time that's a lot different what we're doing with this podcast and with you know things like VFX unleashed is it we're a platform to go to, yeah. but the the issue is our competition. And I may not, I may not keep this in because this is kind of a hot hot take in a, <laughs> in a, in, a, in a lot of ways. But our competition is some nine year old YouTube video with crappy audio, which seemingly is the only exception that people make uh for for video with crappy audio. Some YouTube video from nine years ago teaching you the basics of how to render in Adobe After Effects. Yeah, yeah. And, and that's that's what we're competing against. A, it's a v- true. A video from, from from yesteryear explaining yeah. one thing, and they go along, and now they make a movie.
1: Yeah, and you know, the, a lot of it is, you're, you're exactly right. And what it is is a lot of people say, anybody can do this. But really, we should be saying, anybody can try this and see if you're any good at it. You know, because a lot of times people think just because you have the tools, I can do this. You know, I have the camera. I have a Red Weapon X. I can, I'm a Steven Spielberg now. And that's, you know, certainly not the case. Someone, I could walk into your studio and have all of your equipment at my disposal. And I guarantee it's not going to sound like what you can create, right? And a lot of people take that shortcut thinking, I can go to this perhaps to school and get a degree and didn't try very hard, but I have this degree and that means that I can do this. And that's not the case. You can have the toys. You can even have somebody stand in front of you for four years and, and tell you how it's done. But until you actually do it yourself and prove to yourself that you have the aptitude and proficiency to do it, you're not that, you know? Well, and,
2: uh, and on top of that, you know, I mean, <clears throat> let, let me ask you this. Yeah how much bad bullshit did you have to do before you considered yourself oh, yeah.
1: remotely decent sure you at, know at your job the cutting of your te- the cut to teeth right uh you know and have you, like you were saying earlier before we were even recorded you, you know you got to play your dues right uh and and then and to see if you're any good at it you know somebody once said you want to be a painter paint a thousand paintings see if you're any good at it you know, don't take that, that shortcut where you have the tools and you have a couple videos that tell you how to do it. And now you call yourself that, you know, um, so that's a very dangerous thing to do because it gives you a false sense of confidence. Um, and you know, as an artist and you are know, all artists here, whether it's in audio or visual or anything, any artist with a high degree of confidence is, in my opinion, a dangerous artist because you're not growing, you know, you have to look at your stuff, Critically and say, ah, I don't like it. I could do better. I could do better. And and the day you stop saying that, you just died as an artist. Because if you're not growing, you're dead. You know. So a little bit of insecurity, I think, is great. You have to have that. Um, But there's a lot of people that have false confidence, right? And they're like, well, I have the tools, and I have this degree, and I went to this school, and I was told how to do it, and I want two hundred thousand a year to do this. You know, and that's a dangerous approach
2: right yeah. you know I've, I've i've been having this conversation with uh the drummer in my band a lot he and i talk damn near every day yeah and so, something that that we've been talking about is that there's there's some projects that in theory could and that could take us uh out of san francisco into new york or yeah. la or elsewhere and, and and there's projects that could in time even take us multinational. Mm -hmm. You know, um, and uh, he 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 looks at his current um, he he looks at his current playing ability and he scrutinizes it against all these people that he listens to and goes, I don't have that time, you don't have that time, we don't all have that time, you know, we don't we don't have these abilities, and I go. Look, we've not had that practice. Yeah, and and he went, but I've practiced. And I went, dude. You you took four months off last year. <laughs> you know, like yeah. yes, you practiced for eight hours a day every day, and then you burnt out and you had to take four months off. Yeah, but yeah. you know, like we we took time, yeah, lots of time off, and and you can't fault us for that. But at the by the same token, he is. He is correct, but even so, while he is correct, he will never my my guess and this is something that I still think about um even though i've I've been told of my musical prowess or my technical ability or what have you you know the the ability will never. Uh, the ability will never be separated from or shouldn't be separated from the seeing and listening to other people do it and you think they're better than you sure you know? um, the, the uh, yeah
1: it it's it's the uh you know the imposter syndrome for all artists right. Right. Uh, even the great ones think I'm a fraud. You know, when, when, back in 80, when Zeppelin was about to break up because of J- John Bonham's death, he was considered one of the greatest drummers of all time. And he would have conversations, you know, with Robert to say, I suck. I am a lousy drummer. I cannot do this, <laughs> you know, after how many albums and world tours and millions of dollars in cars. Right. And I think that's just the curse of the artist is you're, you're going to be self-deprecating. And you're going to say, oh, what am I doing? You know, I, I, I and, it, and it's usually like a, an issue of I have better taste than what I think I'm producing. Right. Um, and, and that's kind of good. And not only that,
2: but as I improve, my tastes change. Yeah. So that I start listening to better people.
1: Right. And you're always your taste is always one step ahead. But that's great because it drives you to improve, but it could also drive you to drink, you know, it's like, it's, no, it's
2: it's going to drive you mad if you let it. Yes, and the, and, yeah. and the thing, the thing that frustrates me, at the point where you burn out, you you got to realize you're doing something wrong. Yeah, and this is not just a musician thing. This is like yeah, an audio oh, engineer thing. This is a yeah. produce. This is a producer thing. This is a BFX person thing. You know, yeah. like. I know I've gotten close to burnout many times or I've burnt out for a day. Mm-hmm. Right. And never that long, you know, have, have you experienced that? Where it's oh, like a lot of burnout. Yeah. At, burnout's at that point? huge in visual
1: effects. It's huge. I'm and, sure. And, you know, and it's usually attributed to, to really long hours and impossible deadlines and stuff. But, you know that's an unsustainable model. Um, is if you're not enjoying it, you know, like um, like most things in art, if it becomes nothing but just pure drudgery and work, it, your work's going to suffer. It, you you shouldn't be an artist, it, you know. You if you stop loving music because you're just listening to a metronome, you kind of forget why you got into it.
2: Have you needed to take a long period of time off after a project before?
1: Well, it's always good to take a break. Taking breaks is good. You got to get away because if you get away, you change perspectives. You take a walk. You do whatever you got to do. You take a couple of weeks off, and then it, and then you you're reminded of why you love something, and you go back because you want to do more of it, right? You want to see what else you can achieve. Um, right. But you know, like like whiplash. It, you know, a lot of people I, I've heard from say, you know, uh, that's not really how you practice by by doing something until you you bleed. And someone is abusing you, you know, over your head. I don't know. I've never practiced in an in a, in a actual music school, obviously. But that just seems um, really detrimental to people's mental health, you know. And, you know, when I'm thinking of, you know, I love Big Band. I love Glenn Miller, you know, Benny Goodman. I love all that stuff. I can't imagine them practicing like that, you know. Uh, but maybe they did. Who knows? You know, I don't know for sure. But that just seems not
2: all of them brutal. Uh,
1: just, just brutal.
2: Buddy Rich practiced that way.
1: Yeah, I could see Buddy.
2: Maybe Buddy. Buddy Rich, Rich practiced that way. <laughs> James Brown tried to make his band practice that way, and that's yeah. why. Then, and that's why there are you. stories of James Brown's entire band quitting at the same time. Sure, and walking out. Sure, because they weren't taking it. No, that's yes. that. It's the the that movie there's a lot wrong with it yeah. um there there are a lot of things that do not make sense in relation to actual uh, music and musicianship
1: yeah, and getting better at your craft and and you know i i was teaching i i still teach i've been teaching for a long time that's not teaching you know uh, being abusive to someone that is ignorant of what you're trying to tell them you know ignorance as a teacher Ignorance is welcome. I welcome ignorance because ignorance is just an opportunity. Well,
2: the, but the, abuse the yeah. or, well, ignorant, you're supposed to come in ignorant. That's why we're here. Yeah.
1: That's why you're there. It,
2: you know. If if you're not ignorant, then why, why are you hiring me? Right. To, and to
1: we're to teach all ignorant. I'm very ignorant of many, many, many things. And, and, and that's why I continue to learn, but. You know, if I don't know how maybe I want to go look up how the a NASA rocket works, I'm not gonna smash something over my head thinking, why am I such an idiot? I don't know how a NASA rocket works or whatever. But
2: um Yeah. And I I think the same can be said for a lot of different people. Yeah, sure. you know, it's it's fascinating. Yeah. You know, it's it's incredibly fascinating because you 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 have people who will do that to themselves. And you have people like Whiplash, and you know, this is something that Whiplash showed is like you know it's it's you you have this kid who starts out right who's yeah. who's a very casual musician who wants to become serious and th- and this is the thing about naivete and 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 ignorance is that in a situation like that you know you're un you're not as skilled as you'd like to be but you're not ignorant to what you are trying to achieve Mm-hmm. And that's and that's why that abuse is understandable and why that abuse resonates with a lot of us, because even I had a piano teacher. He was not that bad. He wouldn't throw a cymbal at my head. Right. You know, um, I mean, that's he would criminal behavior. Try and <laughs> kill me. Right. But there was at one point a lot of manipulative tactics yeah. that were, you know, based on the fact that he knew I knew what I was doing but he was trying to pull more out of me anyway and was trying to pull me, pull it out of me in a bad way. And, and, and you, you also see like, uh, JK, whatever his last name is, there are far too many, uh, JK Simmons, right? Uh, his character, uh, and Miles. you know, his character isn't the only one that's abusing miles Teller's character.
3: Yeah.
2: Miles Teller's character is abusing miles Teller's character. Sure. Yeah. Right, you know, and that's 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 something that a lot of people have to kind of think about is like you know the that for for every abusive teacher, there is the student that's abusing themselves mm-hmm. tenfold, yeah, you know, um and that's that's kind of what happened in that film, and that's kind of what happened to my drummer, not necessarily that he uh had an abusive teacher but um you know it's it's it it was his uh drive that turned him to abuse his instrument almost like a drug he needed to practice that hard yeah um and i i think i think we see that i, I mean you know you, you talked about just now we we had touched on burnout in in the vfx industry because yeah. you know It long hours, impossible deadlines, you know, unethical on verge of unethical deadlines. I've, I've heard, you know, I, I I don't have any personal experience and I don't, I barely have any friends in the VFX industry, but I've heard some of these crazy stories. Sure. Like, yeah, we need this render of a dragon. We have no storyboarding. It's only green screen footage and you have until Tuesday and it's Monday night.
1: Yeah, and and it's not just VFX, it's the video game industry. I was in for a long time. It's very exploitative. You know, you, when you're on fixed deadlines with fixed budgets, there's only one thing that can move, and that is the amount of hours you're going to give, you know. So, um th- you know, it, it's it's a it's that's a long conversation we could talk about, you know, artistic business practices. And people think oftentimes they think I want to be an artist, so I got to I got to take this abuse. I got to pay these dues. And a lot of the producers or heads of these studios in, in many of these artistic disciplines, you know, think, well, you're going to do this because there's 50 people standing behind you that want your job, you know? So it's, it's, there's a lot of that. And, you know, I, I think artists after a while that, especially they become quote unquote senior artists, there's not you know, they burn out and they go into something completely different because it just left such a bad taste in their mouth and that kind of a thing. But, it's, it's all about who you work for and who you're working with and that kind of a thing. So there's, there's a lot of that. Um, but again, the burnout for VFX is usually coming from studios wanting lots of changes. You know, oftentimes a lot of artists, I think get burned out because they're their own worst enemy. You know, I was, I was reminded of, uh, of an artist who it was a, a coworker who had an, uh, their father was an amazing, amazing artist. And the, and Walt Disney Feature Animation wanted to hire them, so they flew out to California. And before the interview, this gentleman decided to take a quick tour and walk around Disney World. Never saw or Disneyland. Never saw Disneyland. Was so intimidated by Disneyland and what they had accomplished. Immediately got on a plane and flew home, and never went to that interview, and never became a Walt Disney Feature Animation artist. So you know, y- you can be your own worst enemy. You know um and with artists we're very we're a sensitive lot right we're <laughs> yes, oftentimes temperamental we're uh, you know you have to kind of treat us a different way depending on the artist and and uh it's tricky it's tricky being an artist because we're it's 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 like that you know um uh, and there's and it's it's combined with the fact that there's no right or wrong as an accountant you could say that zeros out the books are balanced as a musician or an artist are saying, does that look good? Does that sound good? Does that taste good? Does that, you know, it's so subjective.
2: Right. You can, it's, you can balance a checkbook. You can't, but you can't like, it, it's hilarious. You're the whole point of mixing is to balance a song. Yeah. But you will never be satisfied. No,
1: no. Because who's to say it's done, <laughs> you know, you well, know, I mean, who's I mean, based, right? based
2: on, based on the fact that, you know, uh, star Wars, George Lucas had had those films, you know, all the Viz effects redone 40 years after those films were released. And there are mixes of the Beatles records from 55 years ago still being remixed, remastered and re-released
1: Then nobody's ever done. No. And, you know, we have a saying, especially, you know, in in art all the time. I'm sure you guys have it say a project is never done. It is simply abandoned because you have to move on to something else you know at some point you're like uh, you know you could you could mix this song for another 30 days will it sound better that's debatable you know will you think it's done probably not you know cuz it's subjective so
2: it's, well and the, the the other thing and this was a fascinating uh study of my own in in uh of of my own internal uh way of doing things is i uh I have this song. It's it's an unreleased single we're going to try and release it in the next couple of months. And we're going to try and uh follow it up with uh other singles and then at the end of next year hopefully release all those singles as a compilation uh of an album which we want to we we want to record it like we're recording an album but we want to release it so it's more palatable to the modern audience of, you know, singles versus versus albums. Singles are sure. singles are the great. thing these days, right? Yeah. Um and very very early on in the process um just out of curiosity i bounced all of my audio stems out of my the software that i was recording and mixing into Mm -hmm. put them into a different software i was recording mixing in in reason i decided to bounce it out and put it in pro tools for a day yeah just to see what the hell would happen you know and redid the mix in pro tools and you know i wasn't going to pursue that mix
3: yeah
2: i i I had no intention of finishing it i just wanted to see what would happen if i approached it from a different angle and was completely different Mm -hmm. you know and it wasn't something that i liked or disliked it was just "Hmm, okay you know because it was a case study of what i would do right but it 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 told me and you know I'm not sure if you've if you've done this with with you know i do you do you work with multiple softwares or you do you oh, stick yeah. with one
1: absolutely lots of stuff in software sure
2: um and and would you say that there there are a lot of them that do basically the same stuff
1: yeah there's lots of overlap sure
2: right
3: um so let me ask you this yeah it would you
2: let's say you had a project time, you know, you didn't have a deadline money, no object. You could do whatever you wanted. Mm -hmm. You could test it out. However you'd like. If, if you put it into a, if, if you took something out of after effects and put it into, I, I don't know, insert other VFX Mm -hmm. software name here,
3: Mm
2: -hmm. um, you know, would you, Would it be different?
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah. And, you know, that that explorative kind of mentality uh, is huge. And it's in it kind of even if it doesn't turn out and it turns into a disaster, you learn something from it. You know, and I'm kind of reminded that, you know, oftentimes in visual effects and and movie making, there's a there's a formula that's kind of very um, adopted. And people say this is how you got to do it. And it reminds me of a movie, uh, I was not on this movie, this was before my time, but it was a 1988, 89-ish movie, Bram Stoker's Dracula by Francis Ford Coppola. And he wanted to have amazing visual effects and, and, and special effects and things done. And everyone he talked to wanted it to to basically do it the formulaic way they wanted to do it. They so said, we're going to green screen this, we're going to blue screen that, we're going to do that, and the other, and blah, 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 blah and he kept saying no 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 I don't want to do it like that and he finally just th- fired everyone and hired his son roman <laughs> Bobola, to just do it all practically in camera and that's and and you know it's so that kind of trap is very common where you know in visual effects very often you're presented with a challenge we say we have to somehow get this vision on screen how can we do it and there's maybe 10 20 different ways to do it all of various But with budgetary constraints or different approaches or different software, how many people's involved, you know, and and like anything, there's 20 different ways to do something. So, you know, anytime I hear someone come to me and say, well, I only use this piece of software or I only do things this way, that's a red flag, right? Because you're not open to seeing if I can get something done, like I said, you know, with, with a couple of coconuts and some chewing gum, if it looks amazing, that's how we're doing it, you know? Um, so it's dangerous to fall into that trap of saying this is how it's done, you know, especially in art. You know, I can I can imagine in your field, you know, you have software, but you don't want to be a slave to the software. The software's still gotta work for you. You know, and, and a lot of times people say, right. Well, this is what I use, and if the software can't do it, then it can't be done. And that's insane, right? Um, so you always kind of always want to be on the verge of trying to break your, your methods, break your software, break your processes. And it may turn into a flaming wreck, but it, it may give you an idea to do something else a little bit different, which is huge. Now you're growing,
3: right?
2: Right. I mean, my, my, my software choices are because, uh, and and I'll ask, I, I, I will inquire if the, if you would emulate this, but. For For me, the way i I do things or try and do things is in a way where the software is no longer a hindrance. The software falls away, it's just the work yeah and as be. soon yeah. and as soon as that stops happening, that's when I get pissed off yeah, you know
1: when when not- the tools get in the way, then you got to get new tools.
2: Well, when I remember that the tools are there, that I'm yeah. using the tools, you know, yeah. I, I, I want my software, you know, uh, without plugging myself, you know, without putting a microchip with a port into the back of my neck, <laughs> I, 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 I would like to be as ingrained and intertwined with my software as my use case will allow me to, Yeah, which is why realistically I kind of stopped doing music work or personal music work i when i when people come in to record projects i still record in pro tools but if if people ask me to do a project yeah um or i know i'm going to be mixing a project or do something that's why i don't use pro tools because pro tools gets in my way yeah Uh, other softwares are similar you know and I flow through Pro Tools. You know, I can do edits. I, I run this podcast in Pro Tools, you know? Yeah. I mix and edit this podcast in Pro Tools. I do it very easily. I, can I mix a record in Pro Tools? Of course I can. Yeah. It, is it going to be difficult for me? By no means. Am I going to remember that I'm sitting there in front of Pro Tools and I'm going to be, you know, there for five hours, ten hours for, every day for the next three weeks mixing this record? Yeah, I will.
3: Yeah.
2: Um, is is a different software going to allow me to forget that this software is here and I can just run through it? Yeah, of course. Yeah. Um, and that's, that's something that I like seeing. And that's something that's important to me as I watch new software come out. Um, I don't know if you've heard of this software, but a lot of friends of mine are being intrigued by Universal Audio and their new software luna
3: mhm
2: um and something of note about ua is that they have been they have been so revered because of their hardware designs that as soon as they went into software everybody was you know goo-guying over this thing because sure. it was this you know, it, it was their foray into software. I remember when um the company that makes my software of choice, uh a company called Pro- Propellerhead, Propeller Head, although I think I've I think they've since changed their name to Reason Studios based off of their uh based off of their primary software. Um but uh the 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 fascinating thing about them is when they went into hardware Everybody who used it loved it, yeah um the issue is the the hardware was not particularly successful it's it was like the band big star every every critic liked the idea of it, but nobody actually bought it um, <laughs> yeah uh, which which was a shame because i thought I thought they could they could expand that and make it into a bigger better uh thing with with uh a, a complete product line but uh you know they they're, they're Therein lies the rub, right? There's there's so much stuff that that can do that, but those two things, they were, you know, I, I'm I'm sorry that that the 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 hardware never took off, in the case of my uh, preferred uh, music software company, mm-hmm. and I desperately hope that Universal Audio's new uh, music software does well because the software is an extension of their hardware and works great the integration is beautiful and that's what everybody is loving because everybody loves their converters everybody loves their analog gear everybody loves their plugins because they've already been in software yeah um and in the case of uh in the case of propellerhead releasing their audio interface which was called balance uh they they had a piece of gear that was an extension of the software. It felt like a physical representation of the software they programmed. Um, And when you can do that, that is a beautiful thing. Because like I was talking about, I want the tool to fall away.
1: Yeah, yeah. Because you're, you know, you need it to work as fast as your brain is working. Right. And so speed is paramount. Absolutely.
2: Now, let me ask you this question because I know things like uh Blackmagic Design make
1: mm-hmm. make uh DaVinci Resolve.
2: They make DaVinci Resolve, but they make hardware tools yep. to go in hand with DaVinci sure. and and all that and all that stuff. Do you are, are you one of those people that is strictly keyboard and mouse or do you have, you know, uh additional hardware and and how does that integrate within your system?
1: Yeah, I there are things out there, little trackballs and things like that. I never really got into that stuff because, you know, just with muscle memory, you know, uh, it's I'm just keyboard and mouse the whole way. And you know, you mentioned After Effects a couple of times. After Effects has basically the a huge problem that you've been describing is that, you know, it's it's sometimes some of the software is built where they're not really listening to the user base. And I don't even think sometimes they're using the same software that they're building because it just, it's slow. It it gets in your way. I don't want to have to look for things. You know, when at first it's like, you know, I've always likened it to playing guitar where, you know, at first you want to learn guitar and you can't really play any song because you're just trying to get from that G to that C chord. Right. And it doesn't sound like anything and there's no rhythm to it. And then after a while you stop, you stop fighting the guitar. And you can get to those chords pretty quick. And then once you're there, you're actually listening to the music that guitar is actually producing. And now that's an extra degree of enjoyment, right? And that's kind of like how we do with this with this with these tools is like it needs to be an extension of yourself that it moves so fluidly and so quickly that if I'm doing too many steps, I'm going to lose my creative train of thought and I'm going to get angry at the tool, right? So that's paramount, you know, and and... And that only comes with time. You know, a lot of a lot of new students, they probably want to race through guitar because they just want to play that awesome song they love, and 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 they don't finger properly, up perhaps something, and they skip over it. And what you're doing is you're reinforcing garbage, right? Because you're not slowing down, unfortunately, to get it done. Uh, and you know, that's that's kind of like how software is. It, when you become an expert, like you're at the level you're at now. It's got to fall away. You know, it's got to be just something that's helping you and almost predicting what you're going to do next. Otherwise, it's just, it's in the way, right? And it can't can't happen.
2: There's this this famous Bruce Lee quote that I think applies to uh, people in our field incredibly well. Yeah. First, you have formlessness, and then you learn form. And then you have to relearn formlessness. (laughs)
1: Ha! <laughs> I like that. I like that. Yeah,
2: because yeah. you know, in in martial arts, and I I practiced martial arts for about twelve, thirteen years, and and only recently stopped, and might might get back into it at some point. Uh, you know the the whole point is when if if you get into a bar fight, right? Yeah, and you're a trained martial artist, or or you're trained in boxing or something. You're not going to square up. No. You're not going to spar like you do in a in a karate dojo.
3: Yeah. Yeah.
2: You're not going to do that. You're going to fight tooth and nail. Yeah. And use every tool you possibly can. Sure. But the thing about the tools is you're going to forget the tools exist and you're going to use them as an extension of yourself. Mm-hmm. And it's the same thing here. You yeah. Know? It it does not matter that I know what Command Option F seven will do. Mm-hmm. It it doesn't. It matters that it happens. I know what will happen, but I don't need to know what will happen because it's already there. It's a thoughtless endeavor, right? Yeah. Um, and that's that's that that's why I love that quote so much because it, it's it's you know it, it encompasses everything from yeah. musicianship to uh, and that's
3: that's
1: the true state of know. an artist right because like when i'm starting to teach animation there's principles of animation and i could read them off like it's some kind of recipe right but it's like driving a car when you're driving a car you're not you're not actually going through the rules of the road in your head you're just driving and you have to get to that level of comfortableness to truly see what you're capable of. You know, and, and it's it's like, you know, as a musician, you're if you're hindered by trying to figure out how to do that B7 sustain four, whatever it is, if you're looking for that chord, you're 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 not in the music, are you? You know, you're kind of detached and you're a little bit worse for it because now you're struggling instead of really in the zone you know
2: have you been enjoying listening i've been really enjoying talking to all of you tune in this tuesday april 26th for a very very special final episode with dante rinaldi where we will wrap up this conversation as well as give you a sneak peek into the newest piece of equipment here at bookroll and give you example as well as sharing with you some new rough mixes from some projects around the studio of course there will be more gear to geek out on and more music to share with all of you but for right now this is daniel the d3 cohen signing off from blue girl productions worldwide headquarters and studios right here in san francisco california we're ready to record